we would be able to receive it in full, that we would be able to leave this place as different people, people who are ready to make a difference. Amen. Well, how many of you are watching the, or watch the Olympic tryouts over the weekend? Anybody see it? We were watching uh, a little bit of this, just uh, Mark Phelps wanting to see what he could do and um, just watching the way that he handled that race was incredible. Um, it looked like at first, after that first little race, that that was going to be it for Mark in terms of being able to dominate swimming, uh, but he pulled it out and just did an amazing job showing what he uh, is going to do in the Olympics and probably even breaking his own records is what they're thinking. We also watched gymnastics, and uh, Jenny made me watch it. <laughs> and uh, just, you know, watching those kids, and some of them, like 16 years old, being able to do all these flips and whatever they're called, somersaults, and being able to uh, get up on one of those bars and, and just to be able to perform like they do. It is amazing. And you just think about all the work that goes into that. And, and to be able to see them do what they do, is, um, it's a real blessing. And, and to think of uh, the, those who are competing for our nation in the Olympics, it's going to be an exciting Olympics to watch. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that I was thinking about as I was watching uh, the trials, and I was looking for the track and field. I'm not sure exactly uh, when those are going to, uh, to come along, but just watching them... Uh, run track and field is always an amazing thing because I think that's the real sport. Uh, I mean, you can talk about football and basketball and all this other stuff, but that, that is the real sport because you get to see people not only run against other runners, but they're running against themselves. And you can just see the look on their faces. You can see them uh, exerting energy and, and getting out there and doing their very best. Uh, Jack ran track and field this uh, past spring, and I, I ran track and field when I was younger, but I hadn't been around it much uh, since I finished up with it. And uh, during the track meets, when I would just look out there and watch them running, it was always, um, I, I guess, just it made me nervous watching the, the uh, batons being passed. You know, the relay as they're running around, and I kept wanting to run out there on the field and instruct them on the right way to do it. Uh, because when you're running along, you, you, you want to lead a little bit and hold your arm out. And usually the, the guy or the girl that's running up to you will say stick or baton or go. or There's some kind of word that indicates you put your hand back and you'll receive it and run. But it was amazing how many people were dropping the batons out there. I mean, just left and right, they were dropping the batons and they were getting disqualified from the race. And just, you know, that was the end. But those who were able to do it right... And to run in the right way and to run in a way where they could finish the race, those are the ones that would end up winning and would be referred to as winners. And as we've heard from our text today, there is some language here of Olympics. There is a bit of just the showing of Paul's enthusiasm for all things sports. And as he is writing, not only in this passage, but in other texts, we can see where he, he must have observed people boxing. He must have observed people running, um, running races, and he would comment on these things. And we can see that in Philippians and Timothy and just really all of his letters. But in this particular one, we really get the imagery of a runner finishing a race. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he is wanting them to understand some things about giving. 
And by the way, th this is a perfect uh, text for me to be able to use tonight because we're, we're going to vote on our church budget. We only do it once a year, but it would be a great time for us to be able to, uh, to do that because this is really about giving. And Paul is telling them about how to give their money and, and the best way to do it. And he says, finish what you started. Excel in everything that you're doing. And as we look at this and as we think about our own lives and the race that God has given us for our own lives, not just financially, but in every sense, there are several things that emerge from this text. And the first one uh, is remember. If you're going to excel in the race that God has given you, which is your life, if you're going to excel in that in the way that Paul mentions here, it comes through remembering. Remembering those who have run before you. Remembering how those people have run before you. And that's what Paul is mentioning to them as he says in verse 9, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, so that by His poverty you might become rich. These uh, Christians in Corinth had gathered together an offering and it was combined with an offering of people in Macedonia and in other places where churches had gathered. And Paul was going to take this offering to Christians in Jerusalem. That was his goal. And so he is reminding the church at Corinth about what they were going to collect and what they were going to give. And they had only done this partially and they needed to finish their work. And Paul is just sending them a little memo. You guys need to finish doing it. And here is why. Because you know the generous act of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know what He did. And you know that He was a giver and that, that He laid down His life and He was full of love and grace. And for our sakes, He became poor so that by His poverty, you might become rich. And so He reminds them of this. Think about it, He says, and do the same. Act in the same way that your Savior has acted. There's a, a story uh, that was in the Clarendon Ledger um, not too long ago. And it was about a guy named Joey Lee. And Joey was participating in an uh, ultra marathon. I can't imagine even doing one of these. Uh, but this article in the newspaper said he was in the race of his life, the 150-mile marathon. Can you imagine? Uh, this was across the Moroccan Sahara Desert. On day four, Lee was still running though other runners had already been airlifted out after surrendering to the heat or to physical exhaustion. About 80 miles into the race, the air pockets in the soles of Lee's running shoes blew out, apparently from the heat. Lee was left with almost nothing to protect the soles of his feet as he ran over the sand and jagged rocks. Although he carried a backpack of provisions, it contained no extra shoes. His feet were blistered, uh, his body was exhausted from the 100 degree plus temperatures. His eyes burned from the sand and the sweat. Facing another 30 miles to run that day and 40 more miles over the next three days, he refused to quit. The only sight ahead of him was the miles of desert and the massive dunes that he would have to overcome. But he pressed on. Three days later, Lee finished the race in the middle of the pack of 600 other runners. Joey Lee was running for a reason. His young wife, Allison, had died almost a year and a half earlier after a long battle with cancer. Lee was running in memory of his wife and to raise money for the American Cancer Society. Ignoring the mental and physical obstacles he faced, he finished the race. Afterward, when asked what kept him going, he replied, 
I just thought about Allison a lot. This is nothing compared to what she went through. He remembered her, and that's what kept him going. He was able to, to think about her and think, this is really not much at all compared with what she went through with her cancer and battling for her life. It was helpful for him to think about someone who had gone before him. And for you to live the life that God has called you to live, for you to be able to excel and to fully live it, remember the one who has gone before you. Remember your Lord and Savior who has provided for you the, the greatest example of how we are to live our lives. What does that look like in your life? How is it that you're remembering? One of the opportunities that we get here tonight is to remember, as Jesus um, talked about with His disciples, that they would come together and they would break bread and they would remember Him. And Paul in 1 Corinthians reminds the church to do this in remembrance of Jesus. Every time you get together, break bread and remember what Jesus has done for you. But it's all about developing memories. And your awareness of Jesus Christ is only as good as your memories of Him. Right? Maybe you have a life full of memories. You can, you can think back in the ways that, that Jesus has been meaningful to you. Maybe it was the time that you were baptized. Or maybe it was the time that you prayed and invited Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe it was that time when you were going through the, just the, the worst time of your life. And you could feel the peace of Christ in your heart. Maybe it was another time in your life when you, you felt um, abandoned and you felt the, the loneliness in your life go away as Christ was present for you. But how is it you can develop memories of Jesus in the future? How is it that you could continue to live for Him? Well, it, it's not only about developing those memories. It, it's not only about thinking of the ways that, that He has been there for you in your life but it's about continuing on with that. Breaking bread with other people and helping them as they seek to remember as well. Well, Paul also mentions to them that they ought to run with passion. And uh, this is what they end up doing. Paul says, if you're going to, to start something, then you need to finish it. And, and this is the reminder that we have here. If you look in your scripture, you'll see in, in verse 11... Um, you know, we're having all kinds of... Uh, I'm having all kinds of... I'm just going to admit it tonight. I don't know what's going on here. There we go. She's running with passion. And uh, the scripture here is now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. And then he goes on to say, now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by... Uh, pleading in it according to your means, so that your earnestness or your eagerness will, will match up with what you've said you're going to do or with what you started. Continue doing what you have been called to do. Paul knew that they were starting to think, well, maybe we can't do this. We are too poor to be able to help the people in Jerusalem out. I mean, we've never even seen them. And why is it that we should give to them when we really don't have enough for ourselves? Paul says, no, you started it. You, you committed that you would give and that you would continue on with this and do it with passion. He mentions the word eagerness here a couple of times. He mentions the word earnest a couple of times. And the, the, the real meaning of those in that original language is passion. 
that they would do it with fervency, that they would get out there and just really be excited about it. Have you ever put money in the offering plate? I'm just going to leave it right there. <laughs> Have you ever put money in the offering plate and thought, I don't really want to do that? Or you've written out a check and you think, I really don't want to do that. Just go ahead and admit it, right? Sometimes you feel that way and you think, I don't know how I'm going to make it at the end of the month. And yet you know that God has called you to give and to help other people and to be a part of what God is doing in the community. It's about giving with passion. There's a, a story that I understood that um, the uh, CEO of Home Depot told as he was gathering his people together and he was wanting them to understand how, how it was that they were to serve. And as he did this, he uh, talked about in Africa, every morning, a gazelle gets up and, and thinks to itself, this morning, as the sun rises, I'm going to have to run faster than a lion, or I will be eaten, and I will not make it. And then the uh, lion gets up every morning as the sun comes up, and the lion says to itself, I'm going to have to run faster than the slowest gazelle, or I'm going to starve to death. But both the lion and the gazelle both have to recognize each morning how it is that they're going to run. And they better run with passion. And the same thing is true for us. As the sun comes up on our lives every morning, we have a decision. And that decision should be we need to run with passion. If you're going to excel in the life that God has called you to live, then you need to have that kind of passion. Well, how is it that you can get it? Sometimes we don't feel like we have any passion at all. Sometimes when the heat uh, hits 100 outside and, and the problems in our lives are mounting and we face all kinds of challenges, we find it very difficult to be able to have any passion at all. But how do we do that? Well, I think the, the words that are here in Scripture really remind us that it's about our heart. And Paul said, look back at what Jesus did and remember what you had committed to do. Remember what's in your heart. How's that going to affect what you do in this next week? How's it going to affect when you go back to work tomorrow or you go to work for the first time tomorrow? She gets to decorate cakes. Uh, that's a great job. And uh, I hope that you'll share with us. But as you begin to go back into your work next week, as you begin to go back into your relationships, as you talk to people, as you serve God, what kind of passion is going to be there? Yesterday I saw a lot of passion as we drove up at Oak Meadows Apartments and we unloaded the trailer. It was hot and, and um, there were ants out there that kept crawling on my feet. I don't think anybody else's, but as we were out there, I saw a lot of passion as we were serving the people out there in that apartment complex. It was a great event. It was great to be able to, to have that passion together as we were out there. But I, I think it's also not just thinking about sources of passion and being able to catch our second wind, but it's remembering the consequences. Just like the lion remembers the consequences of, if I don't do this today, then this is going to happen or won't happen. And the same thing with the gazelle. It is true with you as well. What are the consequences if you don't have passion? How will your world look differently without your passion? One thing we've always thought about us as a church here is, if our church were to disappear today, would anyone notice? That's a great measurement line, isn't it? If our church did not exist today, would anyone at all notice? 
If you did not have passion tomorrow, if you don't carry passion with you into the next week about how you live your life, will anyone at all notice? It's a good question to ask yourself. And it ought to lead you to, to crank your level of passion up even higher as you go into this next week. And whatever it is that you're doing. I mean, it could be a small thing. Or it could be something really large. Do it with passion. Well, the final thing I think that emerges from this text is Paul wanting the church at Corinth to run with completion. He wants them to finish what they started. And as, as we've already looked at here, he, uh, he mentions that to them with several different adjectives and different um, challenges and ways that he wants them to, to be able to do that. Um, he, he mentions to them here, finish the race. And we see here in this scripture, now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. There is a, a great translation of this, or a paraphrase in the message translation, and we don't have time to, uh, to look at that tonight. But if you have a copy of the message, or if you go online and look at BibleGateway.com, you can uh, search any verse that you want in the message uh, translation. But as you look at that, Paul is uh, talking to them about finishing it. Don't do it just half-heartedly and don't just kind of coast along. Really get up and finish what you've started. So Paul meant this not only with their offering, but with every facet of their relationship with Christ and their church in every way. And that's the challenge that is there for us as well, that we are to finish the race. One of the things that I noticed when I was watching Jack's track and field were the number of kids that would stop as they got around, maybe on the mile. They're, they're running, and, and you've seen, you probably see the, the kid that runs out there, and you'll see this in the Olympics, someone who runs out really fast, and they're way ahead of everyone else, and you think, wow, that guy's going to win the race. But then you see about the second or third lap, people are starting to pass him and move around him, and all of a sudden he's last in line and has completely run out of gas. And the thing that makes me more mad than anything else about track and field are the people who stop and either walk off the track or who just walk back in. My coach has always said, whatever you have to do, you run across the line. You don't stop until you get to the end. I think that's what Paul is saying here is don't stop until you finish the race. And not a one of us has finished the race yet. We've all been called to complete the task that we have been given. You have been called to the Christian life. You've been called to follow Jesus, and your life is to look different. And your sense of purpose is to be different. When you go to work in the morning, it's not just about the little tasks that you do, or it's not about earning X amount of money. It's about living for God where it is that God has called you. It's about understanding your role right here at Church for the Highlands. We are a very unusual church. Amen. <laughs> I knew somebody would say something. We are an unusual church, but we're unusual in the sense of our service. We measure our success more by what we do out in the community during the week than how many people show up at Bible study or how many people show up in worship, although those things are important. It's all about our service and about loving God and loving neighbor. That's what we're called to do. But I wonder, have you discovered what your specific role is right here at Church for the Highlands? 
And, and this is for you, whether you're a member or not. Do you understand what God has specifically called you to do here? Maybe it's to serve on meals on wheels. Maybe it's to help and dress for success. Or maybe it's to tutor a child in the Lighthouse program or to serve at the adult daycare center. Maybe it's to be on the outreach team and helping put together a block party. Maybe it's to serve as a table host or a server on Thursday night in the Highland Blessing meal. Maybe it's to go to Lake Providence and help put together book bags so that kids all throughout that very poor parish could have supplies to go back to school with. What is it that God has called you to? What is that specific role that He wants you to do? And what is the role of our church? How are we to complete the race? We are coming up on the two-year mark um, that we have been here as a church. Uh, That will really be in August. That's when we started to gather two years ago, and I think we had our first service in September. But it, it would be easy to say, this is really a lot of work. You know, we're just stretched thin. We, we have all these things that we're doing in the community, and, and we have only, you know, a certain amount of people, and it's very difficult, and it's difficult coming in, into some, sometimes some very difficult situations and um, helping with people who are just at their wit's end. It's difficult. It wears us out. And we could, just like that runner who stops halfway around, we could do the same. But we need to hear these words from Paul. Finish the race. Finish the race. I will take care. I'll give you the second wind. And haven't we seen that as a church? It seems like whenever there is a need and we begin to to wonder, maybe worry a little bit, have a little bit of anxiety then God provides, and He provides in such an overwhelming, positive, incredible way. I mean, beyond our imagination, God provides for this church. And the same thing is true for you. I think if we move out and we begin to do the things that God wants us to do, He will honor it and continue to give us the wind we need to be able to finish. And so let us remember as a church that we are to finish the race as well. And we're to run it with great creativity, with excitement, with a little weirdness sometimes on the Mardi Gras floats. But however we run it, we're to run it finishing the race. There's a a story that I read about, uh, and and maybe you bet on this horse. I I hope you're not a betting person. Uh, But this uh, this is about... um, a fleet Alex, and uh, a fleet Alex was just a blink with a quarter of a mile to go at the 2005 running of the Preakness. And a fleet Alex, I think there's a, a picture of him up here somewhere. There he is. Uh, this was back in 2005. He had battled his way to the front pack when another horse uh, cut in front of him and the heels of the horses clipped together. A fleet Alex stumbled. His knees buckled. His nose nearly went into the dirt, as the news reporter described it. And his jockey, Jeremy Rose, he hung on for dear life. That's the closest I've ever been without falling, he said. I thought for sure we were going down. The thought process was I was going to get run over. Luckily, he came right back up underneath me. A fleet Alex not only recovered, he went on to win the race by nearly five lengths. They finished the race. Everything was falling apart, collapsing right underneath him. But he hung on and made it through. 
How will you do that with the race that God has given you? Remember the one who has gone before you. Don't forget the way he lived his life. And then run with passion, finishing the race. Let's pray.